right? In verse 6, we're trying to find what verse it was. From verse 6. And it says, Therefore say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. I will take you as my people and I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians and I will bring you into the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and I will give you as a heritage. I am the Lord. Amen. Moses, when God spoke to him, didn't want to go to where God was asking him to go. Moses would rather have sent Aaron than have went himself. Moses, you know the story well, he didn't want to carry on when Pharaoh wouldn't let God's people go. Moses said to the Lord, after spending so much time in the wilderness, why have you given me this bunch of moaning, grumbling, complaining people to lead? I wish I'd never been born. Elijah ran into the wilderness after Ahab and Jezebel had issued threats, had pursued him, who had said they would take his life. Elijah ran off into the wilderness and eventually, exhausted, he fell down under a broom tree or a juniper tree and he looked up to heaven and he said, Lord, I want to die. I just can't carry on with this anymore. The disciples, after Jesus and they witnessed Jesus being crucified, being taken from the cross, being laid in a tomb, the disciples decided that was the end. It's hopeless. Let's just go back to the way things were before. We can't face the future as it is now. They went back to their old ways of life because they felt they couldn't carry on without Jesus. Paul says in scripture that he would rather go to heaven than stay here on earth because of the troubles, the persecutions, the heartaches that he was facing on so many times. And I know if we are honest and if we are real, there are many occasions when perhaps we have wanted to give up, when we have wanted to walk away from this Christian journey from this Christian life, from the calling that God perhaps has placed upon our lives. We've sometimes wanted to just give up, feeling, I can't carry on with this. Believing we'll never make it through because of perhaps tragedy, because of crisis, because of disappointment. Because it is not going as we had expected or as we had hoped for. And so we've simply decided in our hearts and, and our thoughts, and it, I just can't carry on with this. Life has got to be easier than this. 
Here I am. So often God's servants have said, here I am doing what God has asked, doing what God has willed. And yet I'm feeling because of the circumstances, because of what I'm going through, what's the point? What is the point in carrying on? It is not happening like I expected. It's not happening like I expected God would make it happen. But we know now because of hindsight, because we can look at the word of God. We know now that Moses did carry on. Moses did keep going until God chose to take him home. We know now, because we can look at scripture in 1 Kings in chapter 19, that Elijah did get up from the tree. Elijah didn't stay there until he died. But Elijah did get up from that tree and he carried on to where God had destined him to be, where God had wanted him to be. We know now that the disciples did come back to the calling that God had placed upon their lives. We know now that even though in those moments when they had given up because despondency and disappointment and doubt had all entered into their hearts and they had gone back to the way it was before, We know now because we can see in scripture that they did carry on and they did carry on with the mission that God had placed upon their lives. We know now that the apostle Paul, even though he said, I'd rather go to heaven and be with the Lord where it is much better, we know now that he carried on with the calling of God that was upon his lives. And you know, I believe that you are here today and you are carrying on today. And you are pressing on and you are persevering in the Lord today. Because God, just like he came to Moses, like he came to Elijah, like he came to the disciples, God has come to you on many occasions and he has strengthened you and enabled you, despite the tragedy, despite the crisis, despite the difficulty, despite that sense of not knowing what's going to happen next, despite the disappointment, God has come to you in the same way that he came to many of his servants, many of his disciples, and he has strengthened them and he has enabled them to be able to carry on in the Lord. And in the journey and the mission that God has brought you to. And you know, even today, just got the sense in my heart that there are weary servants. That there are tired servants of the Lord in this place. And you need the strength of God. You need the touch of God upon your life. You need something that will help you just keep pressing on. Keep pressing on. But can I remind you, you're here today and you've faced many crises, many tragedies, many disappointments in life because it's part of life. But you're here today because on those occasions, in some miraculous, in some mysterious way, God has put something into your life that has strengthened you, that has encouraged you, that has spurred you on, that has enabled you to carry on with God. You know in Scripture, and I didn't take the time to count every single one of them, but in Scripture, over 1,000 times, God says, I will. Over a thousand times from the Old Testament right through to the New Testament, God says, 
I will. And you know, if God says, I will, he will. If God says into your life, and if God has said sometime into your life, I will do this, you be certain, God will. Because when God says, I will, it is certain he will do it. When God says, I will, it is absolutely emphatic. God will do what he says. Just look at those verses I read to you from Exodus. To the people of God in the midst of slavery and all that they were going through and all that was happening to them. Just look how often God says, I will. And if God says, I will, he will. I will bring you out, he says to them. I will rescue them from bondage. I will redeem you. I will take you as my people. I will be your God. I will bring you into the land. I will give you as a heritage. If God says, I will, he will. And you might think, oh, well, God hasn't done it for me yet. And thank God. For the yet. Thank God there is still a yet to come in your life. He hasn't done it for me yet. Because while there is a, a yet coming out of your mouth, there is still that sense of hope. There is still that sense of faith. There is still that sense of trust. Okay, God hasn't done it for me yet. It hasn't happened in my situation yet. Things haven't changed for me yet. But thank God you've got a yet in your life. That you've still got some hope in God. Because yet it will come. Because we know with absolute certainty if God says, I will, He will. It will happen if God says, I will. And if it hasn't happened yet, I know it will come. It will come. It will happen. It doesn't matter how desperate The crisis might be, how desperate the situation might be. It may just be one of those mornings you get up and you feel rotten. You just feel stinking about life. You just can't see any positivity in life. You're just going through this period and and nothing looks good. Nothing feels good. Nothing sounds good. Yet God will come. Yet God will strengthen you doesn't matter how desperate it is. God has said so often in Scripture, I will. And those promises of Scripture are absolutely certain for us today. They're yes and amen in Jesus Christ. The victory of the cross has made the promises of God real and alive in our lives today. And in the church, the body of Jesus Christ today. And if you are still saying, it hasn't happened to me, just keep saying yet. Because yet is saying, you're still looking, you're still hoping, you're still trusting, despite what is happening in your lives. You see, I know this, and I know this for certain, and you know this for certain. However you might feel on occasions, God will not leave you. God will not forget you. God will not let you down. Because that's the sort of God we serve. That is the God who is in our life. That is the God who is in charge of Dudley Christian Fellowship. And on every occasion and in every season, there is still a yet to come in God. Because God said, I will. And if he says, I will, he will in our lives, in his church. But you know, I want to get really practical about it. 
and say, how do we experience the strength of the Lord in our lives? How do we experience the strength of the Lord coming, that something of God, that mysterious touch of God in those desperate moments when we really need God, how do we experience it? How does it come? How, if at this moment you're just feeling, I need God's strength. How, or, if during this week you're, you're facing a crisis, a difficult time, you're, you're having a difficult time at work, how in those moments can you experience the strength of God to come into your lives? As I look at it in Scripture, and as I see it in Scripture, you know, it begins... The strength of God coming into our lives, it begins with a person confessing that the Lord is their strength. Now, you're not just an ordinary person. You're a supernatural person born again by the miraculous power of God that is taking you out of darkness and brought you into light. You're not just an ordinary Joe Bloggs. You're not... You're a child of God. There is a supernatural reality that is working in your life. And thank God it is a divine, holy, supernatural reality that is working and active in our lives. So there's something that happens when we begin to speak and we begin to confess the word of God. And of course we've got to be careful with this whole idea of confession. It's not confess what you want because if that was the case, I wouldn't be driving a Citroen that is all messed up. I'd be driving one of those Mercedes Porsche type things. Because I could just say it and I could have it. But it doesn't happen. So I gave up saying it. So I'm sticking with my Citroen that's falling apart. And so it doesn't, but, but the word of God is full of people making these confessions. What we confess is the truth of God. We confess the certainty of what the word of God actually has to say about, what, about our situation. And as I go through scripture over and over and over again, I see people making the confession that God is their strength. And they always seem to be making it in the midst of what is a desperate situation. Moses in Exodus chapter 15, all to do with the slavery, the, 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 the Red Sea and all that stuff. He goes and he says in verse 2, the Lord... Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. You see in the midst of it he is confessing. He is saying the Lord is my strength. When David took over after Saul it wasn't an easy thing to do. It wasn't easy to fill the boots of Saul but he came into that position from a shepherd boy into being a king and all of the turmoil that he had gone through and this is what he says in in Psalm 18 and verse 1 he says that he sang to the Lord the words of this song when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul he said I love you Lord my strength I love you Lord my strength. And you know, it's not, not difficult to find it so often in the Psalms where the psalmists are saying, the Lord is my strength and my shield. The Lord is my strength. I'll watch out for you. The Lord is my strength. I will sing praises to you. The Lord is my fortress in desperate moments, in desperate times. Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 12 and verse 2, Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself 
is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. There was even amazement in the words of Isaiah because he says, the Lord. And he goes, the Lord. See the emphasis on the Lord. Yeah, the Lord. God Almighty. He is my strength. He's my salvation. Jeremiah says the same thing. The Lord is my strength and my fortress. In chapter 16 and verse 19. Habakkuk says exactly the same thing. The sovereign Lord is my strength. Now Habakkuk was a real moaner. If you read Habakkuk's prayers. Some people, some commentators say that Habakkuk's moans. When he comes to the Lord and he starts complaining. Now he's complaining about bad stuff out there in the world. But he's also saying, God, why? Why have you not done anything about it? But yet Habakkuk still comes to the conclusion. And he says in in chapter 3 and verse 19. The sovereign Lord is my strength. And you know, today. And the day after. And the week that is ahead you. And in times to come. Perhaps just ingrain this little bit of equipping into your life. When facing those desperate moments, we sometimes don't think straight. We sometimes don't behave as we should behave. We don't reason it out as we should reason it out. Can I encourage you in those moments before you run yourself into the ground, before you worry yourself to death, before you have another sleepless night, before you become angry with God and the people around you, before you get bitter, confess it. The Lord is your strength. The Lord is your strength. Make the confession in the midst of those desperate moments. The Lord is my strength. He is my shield. He is my fortress. He is my defense. So how do we experience the the strength of God, the supernatural strength? I, I see it beginning with a confession from God, but it doesn't just stop there. As I look at it in Scripture, and again look at some of those characters that I have mentioned to you, I also notice in Scripture that it is not just making the confession, it's obeying the commandment to be strong. Over and over and over again, all the way through both Testaments and God's dealings with His people, God is saying, be strong. Joshua faced a mammoth, a massive task to take the people of God into the promised land. There was enemies there. There was, there was huge walls there. There was the legacy that the negative spies and their forefathers had left behind about it being full of giants and they would get killed. There was a flooded river that they had to cross. It wasn't easy. But God said to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 7, He says, Be strong. And of good courage, because I am with you. Wherever you go, I will give that land to you. There was a commandment before Joshua. Despite the massive task that was in front of him, God came to him and God said, Look, Joshua, be strong. Be strong and be courageous. God spoke to David when he took over the kingship in Samuel chapter in 2 Samuel 2 and verse 7. And God said to him, Look, David, be strong. 
be strong and courageous. Another situation when the people of God were coming out of exile. God spoke to Zerubbabel in in Haggai chapter 2 and verse 4. And he said to Zerubbabel, he said to Joshua, a different Joshua from the first Joshua, be strong and courageous and do the work for which I have called you. Go into the, the, take the people of God because I'm with you. And you know in the New Testament it is there before us as well. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 13, Paul says, be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. That's what he's saying to the church today. What he's saying to us today when it comes to the spiritual armor of God. He tells us and he begins with Ephesians 6 and verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. You see, he's asking you to put on a spiritual armor, a spiritual defense for this reason. So you'll be strong in the Lord. So you'll be strong in the things of God. To Timothy, he says, you then, my son, be strong in the grace of God. So there's a commandment. Not just the confession, there is the commandment. When we face the the, the difficult situation, we must be strong. We must be courageous as we face what is ahead of us, what is in front of us, what is around us. Let's be strong in God because God calls us to be strong. The evidence that God has strengthened you in those moments is you're still here. You're still on the journey. You're still on the road. You've come through the fire. You've come through the storm. You've faced the troubles. You've faced the tragedy. You've faced the test. You've faced the difficulties. You've faced it and you're still here. You're still here. That's the evidence of God's strength in your life. He's, he's, he's brought you through that. And it hasn't harmed you. It hasn't messed you up. It hasn't destroyed you. He still brought you through it. Now some people might say, well it's just willpower. That's just willpower. Now for some self-determined self-willed people in this world it is just willpower but for the child of God supernatural child of God it is not just about our willpower it's about a God who has willed his power into our lives to enable us to fulfill his will It's the will of God that has been willed by God in our lives. It's the will of God that can take weak people, that can take messed up people, can take people who have fallen apart, keep people who have gone back to the way things were before. It's the willpower of God who has willed in our lives to take a hold of our lives. When all around people would give up When all around people will say, well, they're finished with. It's over and done with them. But God can take a hold of us and he can will his will to come out of our lives so that we will confound the wise. So that we can look at a person and say, wow, only God can do something like that. It is not just about willpower, but it is about the strength of God that enables us to do all things through Christ who has loved us. It's the amazing will. Of God that enables us to pull through, to push through. You know, this week, some of you will get a Valentine card. (laughs) 
I wonder why, you know, do you know why you get Valentine cards? Why do we do that all over the world? I know it's commercial, but one of the stories, the story that I like, there was a man called Valentine who refused to serve in the Roman temple because he was a Christian. He said, no, I'm serving God. He fell in love with the jailer's daughter. And he left, left a message for the jailer on his way to, the jailer's daughter on the way to death and he signed it, your Valentine. But he wouldn't give up. He wouldn't walk away. He was determined, even though it cost him his life, and it is costly to serve God sometimes. Maybe it won't cost you your life this week, but it is costly at times. But you know, God gives strength to the martyrs. God gives strength to the martyrs to keep saying, no, I will serve God. God can give you strength, just like he gave Valentine strength to see through what God had called him through to, to not deny God. God can do that for you. So how does it come? You confess it. You obey the commandment. But you know those verses in Isaiah are so appropriate. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. When Samson was on his way to be mocked by the Philistines, he said, Lord, touch me one more time. Let your strength come to me one more time that I might have victory over these enemies. How does it come? Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Elijah, he was under that tree. I've had enough of this. Can't carry on. God sent his ministering angels. And they brought him some food. Food that brought strength to him. That enabled him to get up and carry on to what God had planned for him. To what God had called him to. See, God can break in. God can minister. Those who wait upon the Lord shall have their strength renewed. We're going to pray. We're going to close. We're going to spend some time just waiting on God. Just something Liz and I have been talking about and just been sharing. That it would be good that if on occasions Liz and I just gave ourselves to you here um, and prayed with you and ministered with you. So prayer team, you're not redundant forever. But on this occasion, just feel it would be good if Liz and I, um, as the pastors and spiritual guardians of your soul spent time just praying with you this morning and asking God to strengthen you this morning so we're going we're gonna to close and then whatever you've got to do you've got to do, if you've got to go, you've got to go but listen, I'll stay until everybody who would like us to pray with them this morning have prayed with them is that okay?